in that regards, uh, please do, uh, I shall try to, as much as lieth within me, try to answer uh, those questions after the service. I only spent a uh, short time there, under a month, and um, so my view is a little tainted, but um, as, like I said, as much as lieth within me, I'll try to give you an answer. Um, the last video there, uh, footage of uh, the people walking down the street, uh, that was George Street. And if you're familiar with any of the Way of the Master witnessing tools, uh, they uh, propagated a story about a gentleman who has now since died. Uh, he was saved. Uh, he would go out on George Street. He owned a little business there, and he would go out on George Street and pass out three to ten tracks every day. And up until two weeks before he died, uh, he had never heard of anyone getting saved from that. But uh, two weeks before he died, another pastor tracked him down and uh, told him that he had found uh, pastors, preachers, um, evangelists, missionaries all over the world that had gotten saved because of, the, because of that man. And he would just do something very simple, step outside his door and hand them a track and say, uh, do you know where you're going when you die? And uh, not much more beyond that. But um, that was George Street. Uh, it's uh, well known if, you, if you're familiar with them. But uh, Acts chapter 8, uh, let's start down in verse 26. Acts 8 verse 26. And like I said, if you have any questions after the service... I'll be more than happy to try to answer them. Um, please do remember to grab a prayer card, a magnet, and a coloring sheet. All of those are just tricks to get you to remember to pray for me. So grab as many, uh, as many as you can, as many as you would like. But to Acts 8, verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, so a very important man here, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you, Lord, for us being, being able to gather here freely tonight. Um, I pray, Lord, that uh, something through my babbling would be a blessing to these people. Lord, your word would speak to their hearts. And, uh, Lord, that ultimately you will be glorified and uh, lost souls would be saved and uh, fruit would be born uh, eternal fruit would be born because of what's done here tonight, Lord, and the decisions made tonight. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will bless the rest of the service, uh, get everyone to and from safely uh, to their homes um, uh, here tonight, and uh, help them to be a witness uh, throughout this week, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you will, go back to uh, verse uh, 31. Uh, verse 30, Philip says, Understandest thou what thou readest? And verse 31 says, How can I except some man should guide me. Uh, tonight, just for a few minutes, I want to preach on a divine appointment, uh, some divine appointments. 
Um, I have a, a younger sister, and she's a year and a half younger than me. Um, most people think I'm about 19 to 23, but I'm a lot older than that. I'm closer to 30. Um, my sister, she's, uh, she had a lot of uh, health problems. She still does. And uh, she's had several brain and spinal surgeries um, in and out of the doctors for years. She had to wear a whole body brace for about uh, six to eight years, something like that, uh, because of some of her spinal problems. And um, <clears throat> she's perfectly fine uh, mentally and everything, but um, she has a lot of blood problems that she has to live with. And um, because of that, she was in and out of the doctor. She was constantly uh, making appointments, or doctors would call her to remind her about her appointments. And uh, with God, we have some appointments in life. Uh, we know in Hebrews, it says it is appointed unto man once to die. Uh, you have that appointment. And uh, we know in uh, Revelations uh, chapter 21, verse 8, it says this is the second death. Uh, that appointment you don't have to keep. You don't have to keep the the, second, the appointment for the second death. Uh, you don't have to keep that one. You don't have to make that one. Um, you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you bypass that. Um, that's what Hebrews says. It's appointed unto man once to die. But uh, here in Acts chapter 8, verse 26, there's a couple of things I want to look at here in the Bible about uh, keeping a couple of divine appointments uh, in regards to witnessing to people. And um, if you're faithful, God will give you them. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south. Verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Uh, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to Philip, saying, Go over here, I want you to um, this particular place. And God is going to give you uh, three different kinds of appointments. Um, a person, a people, I've heard of missionaries going to a certain type of people, or a place. For me, it was a place. Um, I was nine years old when God called me to Australia. I didn't know anything about the country, the culture, or the, or the people. Um, I didn't even know what language they spoke. Uh, when I finally found out they spoke English, I said to God, you know, God, this is, I'm, I'm really disappointed. I'm giving my life to be a missionary, and I don't even get to learn a second language. I, I felt like I'm get, I feel like I'm getting ripped off, God. But, um, uh, a place, that was where God called me, a place. One of those three things um, God's going to direct to you. But uh, turn, if you will, to uh, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. And you can hold your place in Acts if you so desire. We will be back there. Daniel chapter 1. A very famous verse. Uh, nothing, I'm sure, tonight that you haven't heard before. Uh, but something even I myself need to be reminded of. Acts chapter, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, and just the first part of the verse, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Now, the first thing you're going to need in this Christian life is you're going to have to be purposed. You're going to have to be purposed with how far you're going to go. So many times, um, I've, I've taught all kinds of classes, and uh, my favorite was teaching a third and fourth, uh, third and fourth grade boys a Sunday school class. And uh, I would teach them, and inevitably, we'd come to the point where uh, one of their parents would get them involved in something. Uh, in one of the cases, it was wrestling. Uh, the parents got the kids involved in wrestling. And uh, pretty soon, you see them missing Wednesday night, and then Sunday night, and then they're out of church altogether, and you see the family just bust apart into a million shards. Uh, you're going to have to be purposed in this Christian life. You're going to have to decide now how far you're going to go. Uh, my dad was in a lot of martial arts my whole life growing up. I got me and my siblings into some of them. And um, he would constantly uh, come up behind us and grab us 
or say if someone walked into the house and did this um, or busted in the window, what are you going to do? You've got to run those scenarios through your mind uh, right now. If this happens, um, if the bottom falls out on my life, am I going to quit on God? You're going to have to be purposed. The second thing, well, first of all, let's go over to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1, verse 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me. Now that's where your power is going to come from. It's going to come from the Lord. For that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Uh, you want the Lord to use you in any part of your life, it's going to take faithfulness. You're going to have to be purposed to be faithful. Uh, turn over, if you will, to 1 Peter. Over a few more pages to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. A very famous verse again. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. It said, uh, be ready always to give an answer. The second thing is preparation. You're going to have to be purposed, first of all, to be faithful. And the second thing is you're going to have to prepare. Um, It takes a lot of work to prepare. Um, I like... I jump in, uh, you know, going down the road. I pull into a church, uh, somebody's house, whatever it is, and usually I get into somebody's vehicle at some point. And I, when I get into somebody's vehicle, I like to see someone who has some tracks stuffed in a cubby hole there, um, even if they're soaked with coffee or whatever it may be, because I know at one point uh, they had a desire uh, to be a witness for the Lord. And um, I've heard all over the place um, just about everything you can think of. People say, oh, this doesn't work. Tracks don't work. Um, Bus ministries don't work, whatever it may be. And in all of those scenarios, I've seen people get saved. Um, I like to take a, I've taken a personal poll, and when I start dealing with people um, in a church, and I, I like to ask them how they got saved. And over 50% of those people, it was a track that was planted in their life years before. And uh, there's a, a young man in Australia. He said when he finally got saved, he went right back to his drawer, and he remembered someone giving him a track. He pulled it out. He saved it. And a lot of times, that's what happens. Um, you never know. When you're walking down the road and you give someone a track or you leave it somewhere, or where, where that track is going to end up and whose life it's going to influence. Uh, I have family members myself. They got saved because someone left a track. Uh, someone left a track out. Uh, my mother, I grew up in a Catholic... Um, both of my parents came out of Catholic families. Uh, my dad got saved just before they got married and uh, got into my home church there in Toledo. And uh, he kept leaving tracks out for my mom. That's how she ended up getting saved. It made her so mad. She started reading the Bible on her own when he would go to church on Wednesday night. And um, she started finding out that uh, all the things that she grew up with weren't in the Bible, all the things that she grew up believing. But it takes preparation. Um, Back in feudal Japan, there was uh, the most famous and supposedly the best uh, swordsman of all time, uh, Miyamoto Musashi. And um, at the age of 13, uh, he was in his first duel, I believe, uh, duel to the death. At the age of 16, his second uh, killed uh, two adult grown men at that time. And he would go around starting in his early 20s and challenge the best of whatever it was. And uh, he was beaten only once in his life. And uh, the guy did not kill him. But uh, he was beaten by a, a man who used a Joe staff. A Joe staff usually comes up to you about, about your shoulder or your armpit. And uh, where a bow staff is, is taller. Um, and uh, he would go and challenge him and usually kill him. But um, shortly after starting his duels in his early 20s, uh, he would never 
uh, use a live blade. He would never use a real blade. Uh, he would use a wooden sword. Uh, some, one time, one situation, uh, he used an oar. He had paddled out to this island uh, for a duel. And uh, he shaved part of the oar off and used that to beat the guy to death. But um, he was so afraid of people uh, chasing him down because lots of people obviously hated him. You know, when you, go, when you have a habit of going around and killing people, uh, their family members don't really like that. So uh, a lot of people hated him. And he was so afraid of being caught unarmed, he wouldn't even bathe. For years he didn't bathe. Um, and he would never go anywhere without some type of a weapon. And that's us as Christians, what we need to be. We need to be prepared. That's called preparation. Uh, carrying your weapon with you. Um, I have my best friend. He got saved in jail. I did not lead him to the Lord. But uh, he came to my home church and, um, you know, had all the... Um, he's a Mexican. And uh, he had all the regalia from uh, growing up in the, um, in the gangs and selling drugs and everything that he did. And... Um, uh, they, what he, he calls this a 22 because it's light and concealable. Uh, the 22 is the number one assassin weapon in the world. And um, it's called preparation, sticking this in your pocket, sticking a few tracks in your pocket, uh, memorizing some verses. Uh, those, those are some of the best things you can do. I tell people, I tell kids especially, if you're growing up, two things you should do, learn a language and learn to play an instrument. Uh, Sun Tzu, the greatest Chinese war general uh, back in uh, ancient China, uh, through the translation, he said, opportunities multiply as they are seized. Uh, when you uh, learn to play an instrument, um, you say, Lord, I don't know what you want me to do, but you know, some idiot said that this would be a good idea. We'll see. And uh, you take that step forward, uh, the Lord will use that. Uh, the Lord uses any step. You say, Lord, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to memorize this verse. And uh, the Lord will immediately open some opportunities for you to use that. And that will be the perfect verse to use for that situation. Uh, when I was in Australia, I did not know this before I landed there. But Italian just happened to be the second most spoken language of, of Australia at the time. Um, Mandarin Chinese has just, if it has, it's just about surpassed that. But um, uh, as a kid, like I said, when I found out English was the, uh, the language, I was disappointed. Uh, you know, had a little argument with God. But I did play around with a couple of languages. And one of those happened, the last one before going over to Australia, happened to be Italian. And uh, so I go, uh, we're out going door to door. I was going door to door with one of the gentlemen there from the church. And eight units in this first apartment building we went into. Six people came to the door and they all happened to be Italian. And a guy came down and tapped me on the shoulder. Uh, how many of you have taken any kind of a language course in the, over, your, over your life? you know that religious terminology is usually the last thing you're going to learn in those. And uh, so God came down and tapped me on the shoulder, and this is how God speaks to me. I don't know about you, but he said, Hey, stupid, why can't you witness in Italian yet? And um, I had to immediately apologize to God, and I immediately memorized a couple of verses in Italian. And within the next three or four months, uh, God gave me four opportunities to use those. And it opened I could not go, I did my... Uh, command of the Italian language was not strong enough to be able to witness to someone in there. But it op opened the door. And uh, the Lord will do that uh, if, you're, if you're prepared. Um, it takes preparation. Uh, turn, if you will, to Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. A very similar verse here. Colossians 4. 
and verse, uh, let's go to verse 3. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Um, a lot of times, especially with the day and age that we're in, and uh, certain other sects that are out there, um, uh, Christians get a bad name, especially us. And uh, they expect a lot of times for you to rip their head off. But here it says seasoned, seasoned with salt, uh, with grace. Uh, you're going to have to have some wisdom. And that comes, comes through the word of God. You're going to have to have some wisdom when dealing with people. Uh, like I said, my best friend, this Mexican, he got saved in jail. I was the good little kid who grew up in church. And he became my um, everyday witnessing partner. Uh, we would go out all, all over the place together. And we were out in the street one night, working um, work the street together. And um, this young lady came up to us. And the area we were in was very well known for gays, lesbians, and all that. And a young lady came up to us and immediately just kind of like right in our face and said, you know, I'm so-and-so and I'm a lesbian. And you could tell by her demeanor that she expected us to take her head off. And all I did, very simply, my buddy did the same thing. I said, hey, you know, my name is Lucas. And you could just see it melt, all that anger just melt away. And for the next 45 minutes, we were able to deal with her, give her the plan of salvation. And you don't have to... Some, some people, they do need their head taken off. But you, you know what? Usually that's few and far between. Uh, usually you're going to need to use wisdom. A wisdom in a conversation. Wisdom with dealing with someone. And uh, a lot of times we get caught, I know myself, I get caught up with pride in winning those points. Uh, when I first started witnessing, I'm out on my own you know, with a gentleman who was taking me out to the street. We would go out to the campuses a lot. And um, I would listen to him. And I'm like, ah, all right, that's how you do it. So I'd go over here, and I'd just fall flat on my face. And so I'd drag myself back over to him, and I'd listen, and I'd get point two down. And I'd say, okay, all right, that's it. And I'd go over here, and I'd fall flat on my face again. But uh, after I, I started feeling comfortable out there, you know, you never get over the fear. You always, you're going to have to have a stranglehold on your flesh and say, I don't care flesh, this is what we're doing, this is what the Lord wants us to do. Or whatever it may be, whatever your ministry or what the Lord has directed you to do. But especially in the case of witnessing. Um, I have always been an introvert my whole life, up until a few years ago, and I would never get up in front of people. You know, that would be the last thing I would do. I was always, my motto in life was, if you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone, and we'll both be happy. That was my motto. And um, so I got to the point there where... I said, flesh, it was always a half-hour drive to, to get to anywhere from where I lived. And I lived out in the country, grew up on a farm. And uh, so the whole time I'd be going anywhere, my butterflies would be in the stomach. Oh, you know, I'm sick. I got a sore throat. I, I can't do this, Lord. And I'd think of making up excuses. But I had a thing that if the, this uh, brother in Christ who took, was taking me out, if uh, I wasn't working, that I didn't have any other obligations, I had to say yes. So um, I would get out there, and I got to the point where I liked it. I liked debating. And um, I started, I would keep track. You know, you're arguing with someone, and that's another point for the Christian. Yes. And um, I'd keep putting those up on the board, those points. But I came to the point where I realized that uh, that doesn't, the wisdom of my words does not save anyone. Um, it's the word of God. That's where the power is. And I had to change the way I witnessed. But it's preparation. You're going to have to memorize. Or you're going to have to learn. 
And they say for a writer, the best, the best way to learn to write is to write and read. And the best way to, for you to learn how to witness and the best way for you to learn how to live this Christian life is to witness and to read. Um, turn, if you will, to uh, Romans. Two very famous verses, Romans 12. Uh, Romans 12. Most of us probably have these memorized. <clears throat> Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Back in verse 1, it says uh, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. You're going to have to purpose to be faithful. You're going to have to prepare and then you're going to have to present your body. And that's not a one-time thing. Uh, there are some cr critical moments in your life where you're going to have to do that, but that's a daily thing. Uh, every morning when you get up, you're going to have to present your body a living sacrifice to the Lord. And the reason is, um, uh, my sister who had lots of uh, health issues, um, she, on the farm, I've raised just about everything from bees to steer, and uh, she raised the flock of sheep. She would raise them from infancy to death, and uh, shear them, card the wool by hand, spin it uh, on an old-fashioned spinning wheel, and make, dye it and make something fantastic out of it. But um, one thing I learned from watching those is when a, a baby lamb is born, it is the most docile, innocent creature uh, you've ever seen in your life. Um, I've never seen anything else like it, the most innocent creature ever. But um, in the Old Testament, that's what God had them sacrifice, to show them the vileness of their sins. And, but the difference between a living sacrifice is a living sacrifice likes to get up off the altar. When the flames get turned up, I'm allergic to pain. Uh, pain is a bad word to me. I don't like pain whatsoever, any type of pain. And uh, immediately, once those flames start getting turned up, I like to jump off. And that's why we need to present our bodies a living sacrifice daily. Um, Nate Saint, uh, a contemporary of uh, Jim Elliott, um, a martyr, uh, he said, People who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we waste our lives as missionaries. They forget that they too are expending their lives, and when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years they have wasted. Um, if you look back in Philip there, Acts chapter 8, if you look back at the beginning, chap beginning of the chapter, we... For the sake of time, we're not going to. Um, he was already serving the Lord. Now, before the Holy Spirit pointed out specific places for him, uh, he was already witnessing. He was already serving tables. Um, he was already there working in the, in the churches. And uh, that's what we need to be doing, Christians. Uh, you say the Lord hasn't pointed out anything spectacular or anything specific for me. Um, you just need to be faithful. Um, be purposed to be faithful. And uh, then prepare what, whatever it is, memorize scripture. If you have a local Bible institute available to you, go through it. God always uses that. Um, so many times I've seen lots and lots of people with uh, lots of talent, much more talent than I've ever had. And they fall by the wayside. They burn up their lives. Uh, because first of all, they weren't purposed. But uh, you're going to have to prepare. And then you're going to have to present yourself uh, to God every day. A turn, if you will, to Galatians. Galatians chapter 5. 
and Galatians chapter 5. And verse 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Uh, back in World War I, there was a young man named Alan Seeger. And he was an American. And uh, before the U.S. joined the war, um, he thought it was a good and right cause. And uh, he joined the French Foreign Legion. And uh, I'm going to read his uh, most famous poem, is I Have a Rendezvous with Death. It says, I have a rendezvous with death at some disputed barricade. When spring comes back with rustling shade and apple blossoms fill the air, I have a rendezvous with death. When spring brings back blue days and fair, it may be he shall take my hand and lead me into his dark land and close my eyes and quench my breath. It may be I shall pass him still. I have a rendezvous with death. On some scarred slope of battered hill, when spring comes round again this year, and the first meadow flowers appear. God knows t'were better to be deep, pillowed in silk and scented down, where love throbs out in blissful sleep, pulse nigh to pulse and breath to breath, where hushed awakenings are dear, but I've a rendezvous with death. At midnight in some flaming town, when spring trips north again this year, and to my pledged word am true, I shall not fail that rendezvous. Uh, we're all going to die. Uh, the ultimate statistic, 10 out of 10 people die. And uh, that's you and that's me. And what is uh, of eternal significance? What's going to last? Am I like the one sport I, I really get into is playing a volleyball. I love to play volleyball. And I'm addicted to it. I used to go out every Sunday night after church, every Wednesday night after church, and every Thursday night after visitation. I would do it every day. I used to play in a couple of leagues. And um, I can never progress very very far because of my height. But uh, I came to the point where that, uh, if, I, if I sought volleyball every day, it has no eternal significance whatsoever. Um, it's a waste of time. And so many times I think of this, this one thought, when I get to heaven, being corroded in this life by sin, what memories will, be able, will I be able to look back on? What memories will I still have when I reach heaven? Uh, very, very few and far between. I hope it won't be shortened down to that five-minute clip that, uh, like my presentation. But three very simple things about keeping these divine appointments. You're going to have to be purposed to keep an appointment. You're going to have to prepare. Um, in this life, sometimes when you make a, a doctor's appointment, you're not allowed to eat some things or you have to do, jump through certain hoops. And then you're going to have to present yourself. You're going to have to show up for it to keep that appointment. And there's many times in my life where God has directed me and pointed out an individual to witness to. Um, but that was already after I was seeking the Lord and asking him, show me, show me someone. Um, one of the uh, most important things that really changed, changed my life witnessing-wise was a preacher said, take one track with you wherever you go and pray over it for that week and say, Lord, show me the one person you want me to give this to. And the Lord will. Uh, the Lord will. And uh, he'll do that multiple times. But first of all, you're going to have to be faithful. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray us out and uh, have Pastor take over the rest of the service. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you, Lord, again for us allowing, uh, allowing us to gather here. I pray that uh, you would bless your word, Lord. Uh, we know you promised that it won't return void. And uh, Lord, I pray that it will bear fruit uh, here in this church, Lord, uh, uh, what was uh, quoted tonight and read tonight. 
uh, Lord, that uh, souls would be saved in this community and all around the world uh, because of uh, the work and uh, the preparation that uh, these people uh, put into serving you, Lord. Uh, Lord, again, I pray that you would put your hand upon us, keep us safe as we depart tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.